Remember, never wake a sleeping goat. My name is Matthew Kroll. Coming, my love. I'm just doing an incantation. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Extra, period, Ordinary, period. No, is there a period? This is a, this is a, this is space, right? I'm pretty sure that there's a period. Well, I'm, look, I'm looking at the IMDb oh, page. Extra, Ordinary, period. Extra. I thought there was an, what, a, a period. I don't even see a period. Oh, I see it on the poster. Like, don't worry about it. Out but you know, poster. Listen, listen. We're already we're already screwing this up so badly. Thank God or the devil, whomever you'd like to pray to, that we have someone with us who can help us navigate this mystical world of spookdom. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show, director, friend. I believe she here used the word lover and uh, co-host of the Trailer <laughs> Trashed YouTube series, Mr. Matt Bronsdorf. What up, buddy? Hello, toaster. Hello, branch. Hello, old lady ghost. <laughs> Hi guys! Hey, yeah, I wanted, Matt. I wanted to get a quote from the movie in there too. Dad. You did it! You <laughs> did it! Um, thank you so much for coming back in the show. Of course, I'm I'm more than ecstatic to be back. Um, the 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 landscape has you know changed as illustrated by us all staring into soulless boxes to see each other's faces since mm-hmm. the last time you've been here. But it is lovely to have you in uh, on to be a member of this little trio here to discuss this film. Um, of course. What what have you what have you been doing? What's been going on lately with you? Uh, you know, I just uh, trying to stay healthy, stay quarantined, get tested frequently. I got tested yesterday. It's my fourth, fifth test negative. Oh wow! No, you COVID failed so everyone. <laughs> failed every failed, test. Failed everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as you as you said, I've been I've been trying to join the ranks of your uh, moviedom in the world of editorial podcasting, uh, and I started my show Trailer Trashed on the YouTube's or the Instagram, whichever uh, you, you know, pick your poison as you will. Of course. Uh, and then, you know, just working from home all day, yeah. every day. That's, yeah. that's yeah. my life. Uh, uh, explain to us what Trailer Trashed is. Ah. Uh, so uh, me and my uh, good friend Dave Conti, who is also a professional editor as well as I am, um, mm. we get drunk and we, <laughs> we watch trailers that we both uh, – love from an editorial perspective and uh loathe from an editorial perspective and we get into the weeds uh we call okay. it we call it info toxicationtainment uh <laughs> for those of you who want to learn patented. The, the, is that patented it must be it, yes yes uh, yeah. patent well the paperwork's in the mail you know sure. it'll, it'll come through <laughs> uh, uh but yeah no if you if, if you like to get into the weeds of editing techniques and also see a couple a couple goofballs uh drink and make jokes about movies that they love it's the show for you we you and I had a, a back and forth recently about the Alfred Hitchcock Psycho trailer where he was informing people not to enter the movie theater uh, uh, late, I believe. Mm-hmm. In your travels uh, as, a, as a trailer connoisseur, what has been some of the highlights and lowlights of, of trailer watching? Um, the best trailer that we've talked about so far is the Mission, Impos- uh, the Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol trailer. Um, and that's mm-hmm. specifically the the montage. They do a really beautiful job of uh, using match cuts and also using the bright spots in the frame that your eye would naturally be attracted to to lead you into the next into the next shot. So it's it's masterful use of framing in an edit perspective, uh, and you don't lose any track of of what's happening in that montage. Um, is that the one that also has the Eminem needle drop? Yes, it does. Yep. And yeah. the, the yeah. montage during the Eminem needle drop is easily the best mm-hmm. montage we've seen in our f- 
16 episodes so far that we've done of the show. I, uh, I suggest another Tom Cruise one, which which would make my highlight of that uh, for you to review. Please do. I am a Tom Cruise fanatic. Uh, Magnolia. The trailer for Magnolia has always uh, captured my imagination. I love that trailer passionately, uh, and I will rewatch that often. Uh, that is one of my favorite movies of all time, and still the best film that Paul Thomas Anderson has made. I don't care what anyone else Ooh. says. <laughs> so we will, of Ooh. course, be discussing Magnolia at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in terms of the lows, yeah, I think we, we really shit on the trailer for Extraction a lot. Yeah. For just giving away every little bit of detail that you wouldn't want to see in the trailer. And it was very annoying because it's like, Netflix, why are you doing this? We're already sitting in the seat. You don't have to convince us to go to the theater. It's the you only box here. Yeah. Tease us and we'll press play. It's not that hard. <laughs> to which then we felt that they listened to our note and then released the trailer for De Five Bloods about a month later, which is uh, there you chef's go. kiss. Yeah. I'm doing a chef's kiss. That trailer. Uh, I, I liked the uh, the the um, the young men uh, from I I, I want to say Nigeria, but I'm not entirely sure who remade the trailer for Extraction. Yes, like on a shoestring budget. Have you seen that? They, no, it's I have so not. good. It's, it's so good. I think Netflix actually saw it. Chris Hemsworth saw it they and actually sent it. them a lot of gear afterwards yep. to like support them because they were basically they remade the trailer with like an iPhone or a camcorder or something like that with just, you know, whatever pro- they basically sweeted yeah. the trailer, mm-hmm. you know. It was so uh, it was sweet. Gr- it's that's, wonderful. That's amazing. I, I feel a little bad that I shit on it because someone else was inspired by it. But <laughs> well, I do? mean, but I think they might have just looked at it and saw what you saw, all of the problems, and improved on the formula, and it paid off <laughs> dividends for them. So I think everyone's in the right here. I don't think there's a problem. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, well then, no problem exists. <laughs> um, I I have to I be a little biased. I got to drink with you boys on there, uh, and we talked about video game trailer movies, which. Uh, uh-huh. Was super super fun. I of course uh, brought brought my 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 contender for greatest video game movie of all time, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But you but we, you guys talked about a lot of. I mean, you, we did Street Fighter, which I was jealous that I didn't get to talk about because that is a silly trailer. Uh, no, yes, no is. question. <laughs> um, uh, no, it's it's a great show. If you have not already checked it out, please do. Also, side note. Your uh, technical aspect of the actual shooting of your show, very on point. Always impressed. I'm scrolling through, like, Instagram or whatever, and then when Trailer Trash comes up, I'm like, ah, something professional. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it will, it's always, like, it always gets me to not only, like, stop because you're my friend and I like your content, but stop because my lizard brain is like, ooh, this is good and shiny. Like, so <laughs> uh, I appreciate that very much. Yeah, advice advice we had gotten beforehand is like if you want to do like a YouTube show or an Instagram show, like it doesn't matter what it looks like. People do those from like laying in their bed. And I was like, well, I know how to light and I know how to shoot. So fuck all that. I'm going to make my show look good. And also I'm vain. So I want to make sure that I look pretty on screen. Yeah, done, <laughs> done. Well, it, mission accomplished. But get that banner off that uh, aircraft carrier. I think, I think it's complete. Um, Excellent. That's my goal is to steal that banner one day uh, because it's so ridiculous. Uh, but we are here today, gentlemen, to discuss. We we formed our seance circle. We have our, across the the uh, the the spooktacular etherweb uh, mm-hmm. to discuss extraordinary. Now, Shahir, I'm trying to remember which one of us suggested this movie. 
I believe it was me, and it was based off a suggestion off a friend of mine uh, by the name of Ben Slatkin, who has not been on the show, but who oh, would love ben. to have on the show at some point. Shout um, out to Ben. This was, and it was simply based on uh, a trailer, which I, again, I don't really watch the trailer. I try, if I'm going to watch something, I won't watch the trailer, but because I knew nothing about this movie, I kind of sat through a minute of the trailer, and then Will Forte appeared, and I was like, sold. I'm in. <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. Um and 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 I and let's be let's be perfectly honest here. It is the 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 season of the witch and and it is the the spectacular month of October and we struggled to think of an appropriate horror film for this month. And and I and I was sort of wondering how did it come to be that in the month of October we couldn't find um a decent horror movie to, to to talk about well we, we were thinking about doing the blumhouse stuff but then right. we were reading about those and it didn't seem like there was a ton to talk about which made me very sad um yeah. matt have you seen any of those yet the the series uh, they were doing with amazon i think no uh I, I feel like because we are talking about uh the dark one um mm -hmm. you guys put me in a position where in order to be on this show i had to give money to the dark one jeff bezos by watching something on amazon prime otherwise i try to avoid it at all costs so no i have oh, wow. not seen uh, Blumhouse. yeah so you're not going to be watching borat next week then <sighs> he the said dark he one has summoned he you said and he tried i try i try <laughs> obviously there are times where i find myself weak and they must <laughs> i must sacrifice blood to the Consume. dark one <laughs> yeah um, um yeah, this was this was, and and I want to I want to um, bring this back to a point that uh, for an article that was put out last week by broadbandchoices.co.uk. I'm not sure where the study came from, uh, but it was called the science of scare, and they did a uh, basically essentially what a B, a BPM study of the scariest movies and ranked what were the scariest movies according to the uh, the emotional or the the actual uh, physiological response that people were actually having to the movies. Okay. And do you guys, did, did either of any of you see this list or no. see what came out on top as the the number one scariest oh, movie according to science? I did I, I saw I saw the headline, I read the first like three sentences and I was like okay, sure. <laughs> Sure. Well, with that in mind, I'm, it, I'm, I'll let, let you. Well, let you let's. We'll come to it. I, I'm really curious for each of you putting on the spot here. What was that? Either the first or the movie that, if if I'm just asking, what is the scariest movie you've ever seen? What comes to mind? You know, it's very strange for me, and it's not a scary movie, but it's a it's a terrifying movie. I don't know how to sort of differentiate them. The platform is the first thing that came to mind for me. Okay. Uh, the the that, recent uh, that, Spanish that, film we just did, when right? we were when you brought up like BPM, like mm -hmm. I was just like, yeah, my heart was never okay. Um, <laughs> so that's what I mean. I know that's not exactly what we're asking. Like stuff that's like given me nightmares. Again, I have a soft spot for I think Nightmare on Elm Street three because I saw it way too early. So like I keep thinking that movie is really scary. Sure. Um, yeah, but I've seen it since, and it is not. <laughs> sure, it doesn't matter. It doesn't um, matter what age it happened. Yeah, uh, I don't know though. I mean, those are mine at least that come off the bat. What about what about you, gentlemen? Matt, uh, I mean, in terms of just like I had a very fun, scary experience. The first Paranormal Activity will remain one of the best experiences yep. ever had. Conjuring is great. The Shining is great. All that stuff. But um, the one movie that like still bothers me that like I actually sat through the whole thing and like gave me like existential dread 
in terms of the way that I reacted to the movie was the um, the remake of Maniac, the one with Elijah Wood. I've never been okay. more, I've never been more physically uncomfortable while watching a movie, and then unable to get that fear that feeling out of my mind for like a week. And right. you know, because I don't know if you guys saw it, but like you're the whole movie is a POV shot. So the right. whole I, I have not seen a maniac, no, neither the original or the remake. I don't know. I don't know if stylistically it's similar to the original. I, I, I honestly try to avoid it now that I've yeah. seen the remake. <laughs> but the whole the whole movie is a POV shot. So you're seeing through Elijah Wood's perspective the entire time. Occasionally yeah. he looks in mirrors and you see him. But otherwise, because they're in that POV shot, there are no cuts. So yeah. when he's committing his murders, when he's strangling women and stabbing them and, and scalping them, you're there looking at what right. he's looking at. So like there's one scene in particular where like it takes him several minutes to successfully strangle a woman and like ah, I did <laughs> I was I was like I uh, I cautiously applaud the filmmaker for like making something truly effective, but I'm also like disappointed that they made it and thought that this was okay to show people. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, actually, it existed. It really did affect you in terms of like, should this movie exist? Yeah, because like, I don't know of any any more immersive way to put the audience in the mind of a serial killer than to just let them see what they see all the time. Right. Gotcha. Have you seen uh, the Powell Pressburger film Peeping Tom? I have not. Uh, they 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 do that film does a really interesting job because basically it's a it's a similar conceit which is that it's about a it's about a filmmaker a cameraman who murders people uh with the tip of his tripod he keeps a knife in the tip of his tripod and he uh and he and he his his sort of fetish is that he he wants to film the look of dread on their face before they die so he films and so what the film does is it kind of puts you in the perspective of the camera as it's killing as it's committing these crimes Mm -hmm. um and it's a really it's a really disconcerting effect. Like it does make you feel very um, uneasy about what it is you're watching. It kind of like throws you into that position. And the movie's fantastic as well. It's kind of, mm-hmm. I think it's regarded as like the British psycho, um, but it's, it's really, really effective. And that, I think that POV thing um, is a really amazing tool when used quickly. I can't imagine what it's like using it through the entire film. What was the, um, the POV film we did a couple of years ago uh, where uh, it was a person in Russia? Uh, I, I'm going blank on the name. Can I throw out a guess? Hardcore Henry? That's the one. That's the one. I think that was honestly like podcast like nine or 10 or something like that of ours back oh, in the it's, day. It's a while ago yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. um so that pov thing is really interesting um the existential dread thing is something i feel really because the film that that i know i think i've been the most terrified in is not technically a horror film though i think you could make the argument that it is (laughs) the greasy strangler the greasy strangler (laughs) without a doubt that was the greasiest of movies bro (laughs) yeah it's our reference it's a reference when we all last talked go listen to that episode it was very good um, but the movie is Salo, uh, 120 Days of Sodom. Oh, Have you yeah. guys ever seen that? No. Um, that's a movie that I've watched once. I own it on Blu-ray for some reason. Like it, I saw the Blu-ray and I was so... The, the movie, it's, it's not a movie I will ever recommend to anyone, but it was kind of... It's an amazing thing to watch if you're capable of watching it or you have the capacity to watch it Mm. uh but it is one of the worst things you will ever see in all of humanity um and and it's a movie that again i've only watched once but has sat with me for the you know like it was probably like 15 20 years ago that i watched that movie and it has stayed with me ever since and there are images in that movie that will never leave me um 
So, but the, but for for listeners at home, the top twenty, or I'll just read the first ten or five or something like this. Scientifically scary movies. Starting at number ten was M Night Shyamalan's The Visit, followed by The Descent, the Neil Marshall film. Ah, yep. The Babadook, yep. double Jennifer thumbs up Kent here. Film. Uh, the Conjuring is at the Lee Wannell or James Wan. I like that mm-hmm. one. It follows David Mitchell. Uh, Paranormal Activity. I forget the director's name, uh, but uh, you know you mentioned that as well. Hereditary from Ariasta, Conjuring Part One, Insidious at number two. A lot of uh, uh, James Wan on here. Yep. And uh, the number one film was Sinister, the Scott Derrickson film. Huh. Um, which I, 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 like you, Matt, I was, oh, I realized I'm talking to two Matts right now. I didn't, I, one of you's listed as Matthew, the other one's listed as Matt. So I'm me, not, this is going to be tricky. Call me Brawny. Everyone else does. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Sinister was a movie I watched and I thought it was just fine. Uh, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I have to be honest with you. I, I struggle to remember, uh, much about it other than the sort of, uh, demon inspired by Michael Jackson, I believe is the, is the, it was the inspiration for that, uh, for that character and Ethan Hawke in the film. Uh, but I, you know, I struggled to remember much about that movie, but according to science, that is the one that, uh, so strange. the most, uh, uh, the, the most, uh, differential in, uh, BPM from uh, resting to accelerated. Sometimes yeah, science is weird. Yeah. <laughs> When, I, I would I would question the sample size here or the the sample group, yeah. but you know whatever. I, I I saw it as well. I I watched it under the wrong circumstances. It was like late at night, and my wife had gone to bed, and I didn't want I wasn't like tired, so I was like just scrolling through the channels, and it was on, and I watched it, but I like watched it at low volume because I didn't want to like wake her up, and that yeah. you can't do that with a scary movie. Don't if you have to watch it low, just watch something else. Scary movies have right. to be loud. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I definitely get I understand the idea. It's like the whole the whole scare structure in that one is that it was a demon that lived in pictures, so it was right. a lot a lot of them staring at pictures, seeing that the demon was there, and then he would move. So I understand mm. that like that is something that is an incredibly scary visual that would scare the shit out of people in normal life. I'm sure plenty of people like look at pictures expecting something to move. So I get that, but like yeah, I don't know. I I don't recall the story being anything to write home about, and I actually remember like the ultimate climax and everything being like okay. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I think every other... I haven't seen The Visit, but every other film on that list I've seen, and each one of them I would put in the first position over that. Hereditary uh, seems yeah. like it would be high. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, I, I, I agree with that assessment. I actually in the same boat, which I, I have not seen The Visit, um, but I would put every other one of those films, maybe the, with the exception of Insidious, which I wasn't that huge a fan of, uh, but certainly The Conjuring, I think, is just a pure visceral scare. You know, like, just such a good audience movie to watch. Um, and um, It Follows, I think, was also fantastic. And fantastic. The, for me, of these, the most BPM scares I would, uh, I would associate with The Descent. Uh, that's, the, that's the one that really works for me. The only other thing that I was going to say was uh, I'm, I'm disappointed in your assessment of Insidious. And all I have to say to that is tiptoe to the window <laughs> that, that's it i'm done i'm, done. See, get, I'm, get I'm so over. oblivious to insidious that i don't even know what that reference means oh that's the that's the song that the 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 uh, lipstick face demon listens to all the time eh, good for him oh shahir <laughs> uh well one of the one of the films that will not be making our bpm list uh i don't think is our movie we're talking about today extraordinary 
Um, Extraordinary. I, That's okay. Scottish. That's not another Irish. thing. <laughs> reason I was excited for this when when Shahir brought it up was we've been we've been tackling some heavier topics uh, a lot on the podcast, and I think it's important. And we we last week, Matt, we did um, totally under control. Um, oh, yes. I follow so, you on the gram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what's up. Yeah. So, so I, I said to Shahir, I was like, we just need to do something fun this week. And then Shahir found this. And I guess I'll start. I had fun. This was a fun little movie that I liked. Um, I'll get into a little bit more of the specifics in a little bit. But, like, this was a, a, a weird ray of sunshine in, in the sense that I like two types of <laughs> I like two types of um I guess uh, evil we'll call it okay <laughs> uh I like you know something truly terrifying and awful and evil and demonic and like the the scarier the better and sort of like I love dark mythos I love uh, eldritch gods I love all of that stuff or I want to see what we do in the shadows like okay. I, I I I there's there's very rarely a middle ground for me and this falls obviously more toward that sort of side of this where it sets up a set of rules and just has fun and plays with them. Um, and it falters here and there. But uh, overall, I think uh, with a lot of heavy lifting from the cast themselves, uh, I think this movie elevated to me where I just was sort of like, oh, it was like, again, one of those things where I was like, this is what I need now. And I'll get a little bit more objective as we discuss, but uh, I will say, in the moment when I was finished, I felt better than when I started. <laughs> um, yeah. When, well, why don't I? Why don't uh, I read the IMDb synopsis this week? Since you've already given your take on the movie. I mean, you uh, can. Yeah, this I'll, is a I'll first. jump in there just just so we can have this that. This is a first. Rose, a mostly sweet and lonely Irish driving instructor, must use her supernatural talents to save the daughter of Martin. Uh, also mostly sweet and lonely, from a washed-up rock star who is using her in a satanic pact to reignite his fame. Uh, this is from director Mike Ahern and Inda Lawman. It's also an Irish film uh, set in the Irish high, um, a small town in Ireland. And side note, great. A, read of the IMDb sheer. You did wonderful. B, I mess it up like nine times, by the way, and I have to keep editing it together every time we do it. B... This is a wonderful IMDb movie description because not only does it tell you the general premise of the film, but it also, in its little parentheses, also mostly sweet and lonely, gives you the feeling of what the movie is going to be. Like the way that this this description flows matched totally with the tone of it. And that doesn't happen all the time. So kudos to you, IMDb movie writer for this film. <laughs> <laughs> Matt seems to believe that IMDb is a singular entity and writes all the movie descriptions themselves. Mis they Mr. and or Mrs. Uh, I IMDb uh, does yes. them all. They yeah. they definitely don't get it from the press kit. Certainly not. No. no. What is a press kit but a miserable pile of secrets? There's one human being <laughs> that controls all of these descriptions, and sometimes they do great, sometimes they do terrible. This is a great one. Mr. Imdaba. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mr. Bronstoff. What did you think of Extraordinary? I thought it was an utter delight. Mm. I, I am with Matt. Uh, it, it is, of, of course, from you know a, a, a finely tuned uh, taste bud of film. Uh, there were things about it where I was like, okay, I, you know, you could have done this a little bit better. But ultimately, <laughs> it's it's delightful. It's very funny. The cast is charming. I thought 
the the main character of uh, Rose Dooley, played by Maeve Higgins, was adorable, and I just wanted to hug her and spend time with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Will Forte, of course, the instant he shows up, you're like, oh, thank God. Thank God Will Forte's <laughs> here. What a delight. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I laughed. I I didn't cry, but I could have. It was it was delightful. Uh, uh, watch it. That's what I said. You, yeah, watch it right away. I think we've mentioned uh, one reference already uh, in 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 both those descriptions that I think fits the bill here, which is Taika Waititi's um, "What We Do in the Shadow." And the second reference that I think is really important to note here, or to think about at least, is Edgar Wright, um, particularly the film uh, "Hot Fuzz," which I think yep. uh, this is certainly within the same landscape of small town parochial horror, uh, if you want to call it something like that. Um, but small town parochial horror comedy. And um, I think there is, uh, you know, as you guys have both alluded to, certainly something delightful about this. I think Maeve Higgins, uh, who I've just been discovering is a New York Times writer and podcast host uh, in New York, uh, is absolutely wonderful to, to watch on screen. You know, from the first moment of her basically taking her pants off and sitting and eating uh, a plate of yo- a bowl of yogurt on a on a medicine ball, uh, I think you just can't <laughs> help but fall in love with this woman um, in some way. So I think, you know, and also the, the sort of um, uh, cut in uh, interstitial VHS tapes of her father telling us about the talents uh, and and how to speak to uh, the undead. I think this movie uh, sets a tone very quickly and 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 works very well uh, within it. So what all of that gave me was um, a sort of sense of well-being for this film, which was that, yeah, I like it. I, I I'm on board. I'm charmed by everything that's going on here. That said, I don't think it quite works, and and I think for the most part, I found that that um, and, and it's an unfair comparison to mention those two other films because they're made by, well, they're 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 successful on such a degree that it's hard to sit within the shadows of those films. But but there's a problem I think with this is one of the first times in a long time where I've watched the film which which has a clear structural problem on the page. Um, you know the actual sort of timing of how they establish the parameters of the story is actually is it just doesn't work um and and i'll i'll establish what i mean by that once we get into spoiler territory but 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 i wanted it to work i really did and i was and i was i was certainly much more forgiving when it didn't work to kind of go look i'm i'm still on board for this i just i just kind of wish this movie um was as efficient at delivering the balance between horror and comedy as it was in in delivering the charm of its lead or or working within the charms of its leads. Um, I think one of the things that makes it work within those charms is that it is so specific to a place. Mm. And that's, you know, like sitting it in Ireland, sitting it with the kind of uh, unusual uh, off kilter humor that is specific to that place. You know, the sort of small, you know, Rose's car, for example. Um, I was listening to Maeve, Willi- uh, Maeve Higgins talk about the fact that it's something very specific in Ireland to wave at a magpie. Um, it, it's considered bad luck if you don't wave at a magpie. So every time a magpie appears on screen, everyone waves to the magpie. And it just, it's sort of, it's just this strange little detail that like you don't really understand, but it's sort of lovely to watch. Um, so I was just, on board for the film i just i personally don't think it quite worked and i feel like an ass for sort of pointing that out no but 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 generally as i was watching i was like kind of 
oh, this is so close. I really want this. I really want this, but I'm not there. So there's something interesting about that. Uh, and I'm trying to think of other films that have done a similar thing for me. And I'm not quite sure if I'm fully on on the Shahir spectrum in in what you're sort of saying yet. Uh, well, the TBD till the end of the podcast. But the when a film has one thing, no matter what it is, that makes you or a group of things that make you root for it, despite all of its like intrinsic flaws, I guess, is a real interesting exercise. Because like this, this, and you know what I think this this film actually, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Sheriff. This is where you're coming from, but there's the, not only are the characters wonderful and the actors are doing a lot of heavy lifting, I think, with the script, but there is a intrinsic warmth to nearly every character and action in this movie that like makes you want to be around these people and experience yeah. what they are experiencing, even if those things are not structured in a fully understandable good uh, logical way that a film might be taken um I, i'm trying to think of other movies that have done that and i because i know they have um yeah i'm trying to think i'm trying to think of something in our parts uh, in our in our back catalog where i've generally you know what it comes down to for me is kind of like it's it's just an argument i've been making over the last few weeks about good faith with films mm. and this is a film that like I feel in good faith with with the with the filmmakers like I don't feel like anything is being made in a way that that you know like betrays my trust in this film and even when I when it when I think things don't work um I kind of act in good faith I'm, you know I, look just a recent example Enola Holmes the Netflix film I think that's a film that like while it's kind of got some problems it's just such a delightful film to watch that generally you're willing to go along with it yeah um and you know i i, I kind of think that's that's the case with that i don't know matt i uh bronstov what what are do, did you have any issues with the film whatsoever um you sort of mentioned the director sort of uh, and we can uh, get into spoilers thing. now i think we're in spoiler yeah. town yeah. so everything is on the table everything. i mean i'll, I'll I'll, I'll I'll piggyback right off of of your point, Shahir, and 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 I, I I guess I enjoyed it more, but the general takeaway that you had is is sort of how I felt about it. It's like every scene there were there were so many moments that worked, that really hit, and stylistically it was trying some stuff that was pretty bold and exciting, and then there were other times where it just felt like it was playing it too safe. And I yeah. I, I, I looked up on the Imdba uh, before mm -hmm. we discussed this, and this is. Um, their first movie. They made, it is their first movie. They yeah. made two shorts before that, um, and you know I don't I don't want to poo poo first time filmmakers or anything like that because I will inevitably be some be one at some point. You know I've done shorts and series, but I've never made a feature before. So these are things that I have to be aware of. So so as I'm watching it, as I'm watching movies like this, I, I sort of try and figure out what are what are the what are the things that they're falling into that that don't quite work. Um, and I think it's just a matter of practice. You had mentioned. <laughs> Um, Hot Fuzz and What We Do in the Shadows and those are by people who have made multiple things before that so they, they've sort of like worked out the kinks of, of how they want to tell stories how they want to visually do things and I yeah. think it really comes down to this is the first time they took on something this big and I'm sure mm -hmm. there were moments where they got overwhelmed and I'm sure there were moments that they were frustrated that they didn't have the budget and as a result some of that stuff shows and th the biggest thing for me is I felt uh, consistently there were several scenes in a row where the staging felt bland where it was just mm. a bunch of characters standing 
talking to each other and the camera was just in a wide shot capturing everybody in a nicely composed frame but there was no like cinematic way of telling a story and what's frustrating is there are multiple examples in the film where these filmmakers are doing some pretty snazzy stuff there's one moment in particular that we can get to um that i adore and um, it's going to stay in my brain and i'm going to steal it because i think it's a wonderful thing to do <laughs> but uh yeah th those like stylistic choices that they did i just you know what be a little bit more confident in your skills they have them and i felt like maybe they played it a little bit too safe uh and and as a result yeah it's like ah you're just just pedal a little faster a little faster and you'll get there and that may be actually, it's interesting. I like the pedaling, uh, the pedaling analogy because it it's sort of. I think this does happen in films. I'm going to equate films to bike bicycling because I have a bike now. <laughs> yeah, um, this is a new thing. Uh, and the metaphor is growing. I know. So so, uh, bikes have a thing uh, called the caster effect. It's one of the reasons why bikes stay up. It's basically the combination, I believe, of the weight, the size of the wheel, the where the axis is, and the forward momentum will always cause a bike to keep moving forward. There's like people have tried to actually figure out the physics of why a bike can stand up the way that it does, and we understand it for the most part, but they've like taken away the factors in science about like, oh, well, it works because of this or it works because of that, and it, like it, they're like, well, no, it doesn't because it's still working. So the caster effect is something that I think this movie does have a lot going for it, but it's a warble like the bike a bike will its front tire will turn when it's sort of uh, if, you, if you push a bike that has no one on it its tire will move but it will fix itself because the weight of the front wheel like it will keep moving forward and eventually it will fall um this movie i think like you said pedal faster i think if it actually did that and it moved more into its strengths and just sort of believed in its ability to do weird stuff more i think it would have been a smoother ride this felt like someone like slow going it and it warbles a little bit i i have written in yeah. my notes uh it, it's a balance issue but i didn't use the bike analogy until now like <laughs> yeah it's just um, it's a it's a little clunky in in places yeah. and and, yeah. and it's frustrating because there are very polished not so clunky scenes I think what it is is we can all imagine a version of this film which hits every note correctly, right? Like it's this. This isn't a case where we're watching the film going, "Well, this just doesn't work." Right. We're all watching it going, "Man, I wish this did work because I can kind of see it all here. It'll like work all, the, all, all the elements are at play, and every and and if there was just this kind of like little sprinkling of magic pixie dust over the top of this, like it would mm -hmm. kind of come together. And look, for me, the the issue that I could kind of pinpoint is is a structural one. It's a really simple structural thing. But but I found that that the, the the sort of parameters that they'd set up with the seven ectoplasm loads that must be must be extracted <laughs> never quite lined up with the the two days between now and the red red moon. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I was just like, oh, that's such a clunky structure because basically now time is running out. But I know we're going to have to get through seven of these ectoplasm extractions, and what you really only need is one or two. And, and you need to, and, and those one or two, if you, if you made those one or two as efficient and as, as efficient a delivery mechanism for gags as the final scene in the film is, then I think you'd get more bang for your buck. Now I'm doing sort of, sort of an equation here of like how to balance the structure of a screenplay, but it's just this something, it was just this sort of like, like 
I what and what the the way they kind of do it is diminishes the strength of the ideas that they have. So the idea being that that um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Martin uh, has to basically be uh, uh, taken over by a ghost and then vomit out the ectoplasm, which he needs to rescue his daughter. Like that, if that was just like one or two times, and then we actually saw that fall into action. Um, it would kind of, I, I think it would, it would play and the movie would kind of have that forward momentum that we were, were all talking about, but because it's like, oh, we need seven of these and we're also, the, you know, like we need them now, but the movie stops in the middle of that to have like, uh, Will Forte calls up for a driving lesson in the middle of it. The sort of ticking clock mechanics of the movie doesn't propel the movie forward. And, and, and you sort of, you like I found myself, my mind wandering within those, within the sort of the lag of momentum. Um, and so that was, it's, it's like a real simple structural thing for me, but I think the, the underlying note behind the note is, is that under the, the, those, that sort of structural problem deflates the potential for the mythos of the film as mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I think the film, even if it is a delivery mechanism for jokes, should take that mythos kind of not not seriously, but it should have a set of rules that it it adheres to, and those rules should kind of work as efficiently as possible to make the to make the the sort of the overall goal of the film, which is to entertain and and kind of you know bring jokes. It should all work together, and and that was just where I found the sort of the the mechanics were kind of you know a little janky. Uh, I don't know if that was it for you guys. Disagree. Um, oh wow! Well, All so right, here we go. Not, it's not that um, I don't see that as a problem, but I think I think the underlying problem—it's not a structure thing for me. I don't mind the structure. It is—I'm going to sort of sidestep it and call it a pacing issue. The break mm-hmm. between uh, night one and night two is kind of dumb. I like that night two is truncated and getting the five others before the last one is made to be a joke that's kind of like a runner, that you get a couple different things going. I like that we saw each one. I like that one of them ended up being a fox. Like, that was was such a (laughs) lovely moment when it was just an old dude saw a fox instead and they thought he was a ghost and they figured it out. Um, and also, I, like also, I, I like them trying to evaluate that uh, that if you're a ginger in real life, you're going to be a ginger ghost yeah. or a ginger werewolf. Uh, and and lest lest we forget, probably the funniest button in the whole movie after that <laughs> ah, scene, shit. they leave. Ah, shit, my keys. Yeah, for those of you listeners, there's an old man that they leave behind and he discovers he's locked himself out of his house. <laughs> so good. So funny. Uh, but I think I think for me, it's more of a pacing issue, meaning that. And, and and then uh, a, a sort of dialogue issue on top of that because it never felt like R- uh, Rose and Martin Martin uh, like should have ever had a bit of a falling out. Like Rose or Martin get scared of the situation like one too many times. And I think one of those parts happens in that second day time thing to make room for the Will Forte interaction to steal the scrunchie to have power. Um, yeah, I, so... I, I don't have a problem with the MacGuffin seven times because I do think the joke that they did around it paid off at least for me, and I liked the timing and structure of that. It is that break between that felt like, this is urgent. Nope, now it's not. But now it's urgent again. Uh, that was more of, of where I took where I took umbrage. Um, what about you, Matt? Uh, I would say that I agree with Shahir, and I think that uh, I have a, a slightly different remedy. 
And I think okay. maybe maybe what what I would have liked to have seen the movie do is uh, function a little bit more like the Odyssey, where those seven spirits that they have to capture are the story. And right. you know, it's yeah. like it's like this, the seven trials of Rose Dooley and Martin Martin. And yeah. because, you know, the underlying story that's being told is these two very lonely people find each other, fall in love and then don't get married. Spoiler. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so that relationship, which which is so crucial to the, the telling of the story, I think would have been more interesting to watch evolve over the course of these you know, several, seven different ghost trials that they had to do to, to, to get the spirit. Not only are you going to get Rose uh, regaining her confidence to be, you know, to truly mm. step into her father's footsteps and, and be the, the, the talented person that she is, but also Martin finds the strength to then leave his ghost wife, Bonnie, that he doesn't need to be with. And yeah, yeah. That, that pause between day one and day two, like none of, there's no forward momentum in the narrative there. It's just, mm. like you said, it's stalling for time to have like a very funny scene with Will Forte. I'm not going to shit on that scene. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it could have been put to better use. And the thing that drove me nuts and also drove uh, my viewing partner, Bridget Arujo, my wife, um, the continuity of the moon is all over the map. And that's a visual <laughs> yeah. effect. And there's no excuse for that. It wasn't like they captured the blood moon real time and that's how it had to go. Like, no, you have complete control over that. So why is the the stage at which the blood moon is full blood moon like why is it jumping back and forth from scene to scene that seems so silly and yeah why would you wait until like two hours before the full blood moon to go and get seven other ghosts yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. We, we I've established just, too that well they plan. they exist during the day she waves at the cord in the branch and everything like ghosts are <laughs> during the day it's fine Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that I think Matt, what you're saying is a really good point here, which is that it under it essentially what it does is it undermines where the heart of the film really is, and yeah. and and what are the, but but I think the issue here is is that it, the film is trying to do like two or three different things, and it's it's doing them it, the way it's being put together, i.e. the structure makes it inelegant. And and one of those things is it's it's trying to do the story about Rose, this woman who's got this you know sort of survivor's guilt for having killed her dad in the sort of funniest possible way, um, and is being haunted by the the, the death of her dad. Uh, it's got you know, and so she is like sort of coming to terms with that, and 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 not willing to like step back into the role of being one of the people with the talents, so to speak. So she doesn't want to be able to talk to the ghost. But the movie kind of mishmashes that because she kind of jumps back into that role before, and then has apprehension about it after she's already come back you know so the momentum gets like pushed and pulled back you know backwards and forwards simultaneously it's also trying to do this like fun ridiculous film about this aging pop star or you know whatever he is uh played by will forte who wants to revitalize his career by having a um uh you know a seance with the devil and and you know like selling his soul to the devil or something along those lines mm-hmm. uh and and that story you know um should basically it should either intercut the four, you know, it should intercut the other stories, but right now it kind of stops and does that story while it's happening. So, so there are moments as well where, um, uh, Martin Martin and, and Maeve are kind of trying to figure out what's happened, but we, the audience already completely know what's happened. And so the sort of momentum of the audience response gets a little bit lost in this whole thing as well. Um, it's, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm I felt that as I was watching it and then as it got towards the final scene the big final set piece I was like 
this is what the whole movie should have been. And I know that they, they blew all their budget on this big effect laden scene. It's the scene where all the characters come together. So the the most expensive asset, Will Forte, is on set. So you've only got a couple of days to do this. And I know that they, they spent, they, this is where they spent their time and effort. But I was like, but the sort of, not just the mechanics of this scene, but what this scene is achieving for the entire film is kind of it's not built up to it kind of comes at the button of a lot of scenes that don't quite push us towards this one Mm -hmm. and you know like like the ridiculousness of of martin martin and may fucking right before the you know the demon comes because there's like i don't want to be in a gang it's better than being in a gangbang than hell you know that i was like that's the kind of weirdness and and strangeness and 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 sort of funniness that this film should be like delivering at all times well i think it and, i think it did though i think it's just the pace of which before that didn't like lead us there correctly at least for me i, I and that's my point yeah. is is structure can undermine the strength of your comedy you know like i think the scene where the the the, the when we reveal what happened to her dad is a very funny scene um, I think the scene with the the fox, you know, is a very very funny scene. But structure undermines those scenes by not putting them in a way that allows us to go from one moment to the next. And that's what that's what kind of you know, like it, it to me, it's, it highlights how important, like uh, in screenwriting, you know, like understanding how to, how a story moves from A to B to C, you know, is is as important as how good the scenes within A, B, and C are. I uh I I think one of the um one of the other weaknesses for me weirdly enough uh was a piece that I felt didn't fit at all but I was glad kind of paid off the way it did though it still threw me out every moment uh was um the character I want to say it's uh Marion Malarkey the the girlfriend of Will Forte's character of Christian Winter or no Claudia Winter I'm sorry it was Claudia Winter is his wife yeah. Um she just threw me, man. Like everyone else in this movie felt like they were like really in the moment. Maybe it was the character she was like trying to play, but ev- like she kept feeling to me she kept kicking me out of like the happy place and not just because she was a a, a sort of antagonist to the film. Um yeah. there was something about I don't know if it's that character or the way that they they p- portrayed that character, but I felt very um like every time there was like the joke of like the nagging wife or, or whatever, like it nothing on screen with her ever landed for me. With weirdly the exception of uh, her death, because by mm-hmm. that point, by that point I had given up on the film having stakes. Right. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, no one's gonna. It's not. That's not this kind of movie. Like, and I was okay yeah. with it. Again, we talked about yeah. sort of rooting for it, etc. But then when that happened, I was like, oh. Okay, well now yeah. I, my my idea of no one dying has gone from no one dying to like oh there's like a twenty five percent chance someone else could die, uh, yeah, yeah. so it 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 flipped my uh, expectations ever so slightly in the right way. But everything leading up to that, I, I don't know, I was just thrown. Uh, yeah. it, the, it never the, felt the same. The wife the wife was extraordinarily frustrating because that should have worked that bit yeah, but it doesn't because she's so unbelievably despicable. And annoying and grating. And th- I think the point is is that you want to maybe side with her a little bit because Will Forte is kind of an idiot. But, like, every time she was on screen, I was like, you're making me feel sympathetic for the actual bad guy because this person is so awful. And there's times where it works. Throw Mama from the train. Yep. Great. The yep. funniest character in the movie is the most despicable one. 
But in yeah. this one, I was like, every time she was on scene, like it felt like the whole movie came to a dead stop to try and make this bit work. And it didn't because I hated her and I didn't want her to be on screen. And when she finally died, it was like, thank God. But why didn't this <laughs> but, happen at minute five? Yeah. And I, I think the thing you're talking about, Matt, was the is the, the stakes get a bit weird, which is that if... Uh, on the one hand, if she had died a little bit earlier, like we would sort of be like a little bit more concerned about the characters eventually meeting up with Will For- mm-hmm. with Will Forte's character at some point. But but I think you know, there's something odd about the way that that character is played off. And and again, it just comes down to the structure thing for me. Um, but I, I know I'm sort of I, I I'm really dragging out what I think the problems of the movie are. <laughs> I really do want to underline the fact here is that despite all those problems, this is a warm fun movie to watch yes that that is that that ultimately i'm on side for you know like i'm kind of i'm rooting for it i want it to work i really i wanted this to land but it you know and 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 again we can all kind of see some version of this movie where thing if you just change you know something one or two degrees in another direction suddenly everything clicks into place and it kind of work you know like it it doesn't just become like i thought that was fun and you know like i i would recommend that for some you know a few friends to like hey you got to see this you know like hot fuzz what we do in the shadows those are those movies where you're just like Hey, you gotta see this thing. Mm-hmm. It's so good. You know, like it's it's just that level of elevation we're looking for, where it's just kind of like it it's it's there. It's all there. And I think for the most part, again, first time filmmaker, I'm gonna be a first time filmmaker at some point, and I'm gonna fuck up more than these people ever did. You know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna really really screw this up way more than the than the than than the way I'm uh, suggesting that these people ever did because they did not it's just that sort of like yeah like you say that refinement of 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 what Taika Waititi and, and Edgar Wright were able to do over a couple of movies and figure out you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah because I mean I'm sure if you if you go back and you look at what is it spaced was that the yeah. first that was the first yeah, thing yeah. That, that that Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright has ever did, done yeah. and I'm sure there's plenty of episodes of space that are clunked I haven't actually seen it but that would be my it's guess. actually it's pretty very, solid very, throughout it's pretty fucking good <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> yeah sorry I I, uh, I get where like, your point Ta- like look Taika for me I, like I you know it's it's uh, Taika is is uh, 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 a New Zealand icon at this point so for me to speak ill of him is not <laughs> is, is is never going to go down well but I I think the thing about Taika's work that was exciting to watch is that every film got better than the one before. You know, like, mm-hmm. he started on pretty good ground. But if you watch Eagle versus Shark, there's a lot of Eagle versus Shark that doesn't quite land for me. And I think, you know, like, but you're like, you're kind of on board for it. You're mm-hmm. rooting for, you know, mm-hmm. what is to come. And every film he made from, you know, from that point on got better and better and better. And what we do in the shadows is masterclass filmmaking, you know, like, and then he got, and then Hunt for the Wilder People after it is just like, oh my God, you know, uh, and Thor Ragnarok. Oh my God. You know, like it's, it's, yep. it, it's, it's and that then, time that kind of comes with it. Yeah. And then he tripped with Jojo Rabbit. I would, Look. <laughs> I would like to, I would like to just jump in here and say that, yes, we're talking about how polished Taika Waititi is, but lest we forget, uh, as, far, as far as I'm concerned, Jojo Rabbit <laughs> suffers, I think, from a lot of the same problems that Extraordinary does. Which is, there's a lot of really delightful things, but then there's other things where it's like, it doesn't quite work. It's not that mm. funny. And uh, there's there's things that maybe if you know he'd done a couple more drafts of Jojo Rabbit, it would have been better. Look, I know it was nominated for Best Picture, but I'm not in the Academy, and I can judge it. And it also it won Best Screenplay. 
Yeah. And uh, also won Best Screenplay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> no, no, I would look, say... We, I, 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 had, I had issues with Jojo Rabbit as well, and it was the first... You know, I, uh, you can go back and listen to our episode about it. I mentioned the fact that I think structurally that film didn't quite work for me, and there was a lot mm-hmm. of that movie that didn't quite land for me yep. as well. But, but, you monsters. But again... You, yeah. you <laughs> monsters. That movie go was Go back and delightful. listen to that episode. We had a whole conversation about why that movie works and doesn't work for many of us, for, yeah. for some of us. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll never say this about any other movie ever, <laughs> but my biggest takeaway from Jojo Rabbit was not enough Hitler. <laughs> Not, and Hitler, <laughs> and in that movie, Hitler. Hitler becomes redundant by the second half, and so, yes, to the point where, hopeless. like, when Hitler pops back in in the second half, I was like, "Oh yeah, there's that. This this movie's also dropped dead Fred. I forgot about that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway. So uh, have have we moved on to the part of the show where we can gush about the movie? Sure. Yeah, because we're sure. now we we're gush end, at any point. Now we're near the end part where we now would tell people whether or not to sort of watch it. I suppose, Matt. Please take it away. Okay, so so I, I, I'll speak a, a little big-mindedly here, macro perspective, I guess. Um, but, you know, I watch a lot of movies. You guys watch a lot of movies. And every now and then, you know, I see things in movies that I, I love so much that I think are so impressive that I've never seen another film I could do. And I write it in my little notebook, and I plan on stealing it someday when I get course, back on set again. Um, yeah. And there's one moment in this movie that I think is so surprising from a filmmaking, you know, cinematic perspective, I've never seen somebody do it so well, and I can't wait to see what these filmmakers do next as a result. But the very first scene with Rose and Martin Martin in the car when he fakes right. that he needs yeah. to get his driver's and license, that. at the very end of the scene, when she suddenly uh, gets a little self-conscious, the camera sh- suddenly shifts to the right, cutting Martin yeah. Martin out of the frame. And she and, and it mimics her movement as well. She turns away from him. The camera turns away from him. And it stays there until he leaves. And we never see Martin and Martin again But for, for the end of that scene. And it's so... I was so taken aback and so in love with, with the synergy of, like, the filmmakers are, are telling you uh, the emotions of this character visually without dialogue or anything else. And just chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Wonderful done. Yeah. Wonderfully the, the, done. The only problem I have with that is that it didn't like there was never anything like it again. Not that I need the same mechanic, but like like you even said before, a lot of this film was shot kind of uh, uh, I don't know for the lack of a better term, like standardly. Like again, I thought mm-hmm. the lighting was very nice, and I thought the color palette they chose was was delightful. But like then you get these random shots every once in a while, like the shot you've just described, Matt, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, and that, that I, I is, actually that really pers- liked that scene. Yeah, I thought it was very, very effectively played. That is that, by the way, is precisely what I meant by just pedal faster. Those were the moments where they were doing yeah. stuff, and they, and they were confident in their skills, and they they put it all on the table. And I just wish that every scene did that, and every scene yeah. you know swung for the fences the way they did with that. And this movie may have been a slam dunk instead of a and I'm not a I'm not a sports guy. Okay. Instead of a yeah. slam dunk, this was a, a pass to this guy, yeah. a pass to the other guy, and they threw it up and it bounced off the back the backboard and then like hit the rim and then fell in. That's what the movie was instead of a slam dunk. Is that was, it, was that like, it was like an easy layup, right? It, like it was it, a layup that kind of that could have gone wrong, but it kind of still gets there. Yeah. Is that is that not what the I most described? exciting thing in the world? Maybe. Is, uh, is look, that, that's that's what a layup is. I I don't know. Shahir knows the most about sports out of all of us. I think. Gotcha, gotcha. Basketball. <laughs> that's the one with the ice and the pucks, right? 
That yeah, is the no, one that's, that's... with the, no, but ice, yes, but there's you, weights you play it and underwater. there's men and women with brooms. Um, oh, yeah, I thought yeah. that was called Quibitch. curling. It's also called quibbage. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh wow, we went all all over the place. Uh, Shahir, what about you? you? What what would you say to the fine people? Yeah, at home? it's it's a it's a. I think the, the what happens is it becomes a because of the things that we've kind of outlined here is it becomes a recommendation for specific types of people, which is that specific yeah. people who, who watch a lot of these kinds of movies to see like, Oh, I think what these guys did in this film is kind of interesting. But if I'm trying to push someone towards watching a film, like a horror comedy like this, I'm obviously going to go to what we do in the shadows. I'm obviously going to go to hot fuzz and other films, you know, kind of in that ballpark. So Although, I'm kind of like point of order. Hot fuzz is not a horror film. That's it. Step well, back, it does have it true. does have a little bit of the Wicker Man in him, which yeah, I would but it's say an action kind of clarifies movie. it. Kind of clarifies it as a horror. It has got I, that Wicker Man right, element I'll to it. I'll give you that. There was a there yeah. was a, a pinch, a pinch of horror yeah. in the hot pot. Pinch of horror there. Pin, pinch of little, a little parochial horror comedy, um, and and I, I I I think that's that's the just sort of unfortunate part of it is it's like I can't quite recommend it as like a general recommend everybody go and see this because I think it like it's it's okay. Um, but as like, you know, as you're saying, like, there's a lot to like in this movie and you certainly can see the potential, uh, as you watch this, you can see the potential in the filmmakers, you fall in love with the cast automatically. Uh, if you happen, you know, if, if, if your particular niche is you like anything with Will Forte, then yes, a hundred percent, this is, this is the movie for you. Um, it's also, you know, like, look, it's got a couple of delightful riffs on Evil Dead and The Exorcist in it and, you know, like, it, and Ghostbusters of all things. Um, so it's kind of, you know, like... It, it's if if you watch a lot of those kinds of movies, then this is it's gonna play well in that milieu, but it's not gonna live up to some of the other the, the other things that we mentioned. And it, it's it's unfortunate because I you you don't want to as I say don't poo poo on a filmmaker. It's it's just that um, I think what I'm trying to say is the second time around on this, or if they you know if they if they could refine this, this is this is a slam dunk if the second time around, but it's not quite there yet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree but, with all way, of those you mentioned, things. You mentioned you mentioned Ghostbusters back there, right? Yeah, I haven't read it. Ah! <laughs> um, Sick reference to the movie it, that we're talking about. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that you stopped us in the middle of our forward momentum to do that. You are being yeah. thematically accurate as well as narratively accurate. Um, we are playing to the top of our intelligence. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll just say. Uh, I agree with the the concept of this goes from a must must uh, suggestion to anybody to a pick your battles on who you would suggest this to, and there are certain people in your life that you would find that would absolutely adore this thing. Um, I I I liked that. I felt like I was watching something not necessarily like super original, but just something different than the fair that I had seen uh, recently. And I it the the fumbles that it does sports reference. Um, never threw me enough to ever make me like wish ill on the film or start disliking it. It was always yeah. sort of a, huh? Okay. Yeah. And moving on, yeah. uh, which I hadn't experienced in quite some time. But again, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, I felt better after the movie than I did before the movie. And for me, that's a watch. I think this yeah. uh, is a very, very fun thing. And Oh, side note, there's so many small details in this movie that are just delightful to sort of find, like even just tiny, tiny stuff, like the moment with the cuckoo clock uh, that eventually killed yeah. Martin's first wife that he built. He's a woodworker and the little people come out and they kiss on the thing. The little person yeah. had a cigarette. 
Yeah. And yeah. like then could, the, 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 can, the, can I ask one question here? The visual Which mechanic that, when the ghost is around was when Martin was yeah. the cigarette. Yeah. I, I couldn't quite picture his wife at all. Like she seemed like she must have been seventy years old to me. Mm-hmm. I with, with like his impression of her, I was like I was like, ah, I can't quite picture this as someone that he was married and to. And even the photos in the house, yeah, we, like the wedding yeah, photos. Yeah, they're all like covered up. Yeah. Super veiled. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um no, and there's tons of little things that just like I don't know. I I, I believe the the jar, like the mason jar, I, I didn't Ooh. see this. I read this on the I am Debe, so Mr. or Mrs. I am Debe uh figured out this. That uh, actually says like the MacGuffin jarring company or like something weird like that, like that they have yeah. to put the ectoplasm in. Like, yeah. there's just small nods because, and, and I guess this is my end of it. You know, these people cared so deeply about making this movie, and there's an earnestness there and a warmth. I think that they, uh, with their casting and everything that comes through, and I thought it was a delightful uh, moment, a, a delightful uh, escape. In uh, the the 2020 garbage fire that we are all currently living through, even with its flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just agree with you, Matt. Uh, I left with a smile on my face. And in a year where everything's a horror film, it was nice <laughs> to smile in an actual horror film. Yeah. 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 Well... <laughs> This has been the only podcast about the film Extraordinary. Only a period at the end of the poster, not in the middle. It's just two words. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for for coming on and talking with us again. We And this time, literally, well, I'd say like 3 to 4% grease. Last time, there was so much grease. Yes. But this oh, time... So, so greasy. greasy. Uh, yeah. I, I am still... I still feel like one of the, the biggest... Uh, missteps in my life is that i was not able to do cats with you guys i wish i lived in the reality where you could have come on for cats because i saw cats 48 hours after you filmed it i wanted to try and watch it so so i could be on the show with you but i wasn't able to but then i ended up seeing it two days later anyway and i don't know about you guys but i had a blast listen (laughs) listen i own the blu-ray my friend i'm so jealous so i'm in there um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Matt, but where uh, where can folks find you on the interweb to, to keep up with all of your goings on? Um, you can find me on the gram. Uh, my my handle for me is simply Bronsdorf. And uh, obviously, if you want to listen and watch uh, Trailer Trash, it is uh, Trailer Trash TV on the, uh, the the gram. Otherwise, you know, that's that's it. I have Facebook, but not for much longer because it seems to be destroying the world, and I don't want to yeah, be a part of that. It's weird how that happens. I literally only sign on to Facebook to promote this podcast, and that is literally it. Cute <laughs> uh, person in the comments who calls me out by pointing out that Instagram is owned by Facebook. It's yes, also I'm true. well aware. It's yeah. also true, but the great thing about podcasts is there are no comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're Nobody fine. cares. Yeah. Uh, unless you want to leave us a review over on iTunes, that would be nice, everybody. Five stars. I don't even best. know if those work anymore. By the way, the iTunes reviews, Apple Podcast has changed its whole format. I don't oh. even know if that thing actually even is happening. We should probably figure out what we want to drive people toward to help us in algorithmic yeah. ways. <laughs> I- I'll tell you what we want to drive people towards. You know what we want to drive people towards. Vote.gov. Well, yes. We want everybody yes, of listening course. to go to vote.gov, register to vote. And if, again, if you have registered to vote uh, you and want us to know about it, we will happily review anything you want us to see. We do have a review of uh, uh, a listener's vote.gov registration it's influenced coming. review. We, we are fully aware of it. I've listened to the podcast twice now. Same. Happy to Only do once, it. Yes. We will do it uh, when we have a little bit more time. Uh, but uh, please, vote.gov.
Photogov. Shahir, when you are not starting your burgeoning uh, political career by talking about the balances and imbalances in cinema, where can folks find you? You can find me petitioning for cinemas to reopen so we can all go watch Cats again at my website, www.shahirdad.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. That's right. Even in a dumpster fire of a year, I would see Cats again in the movie theater if it was safe. Wow. Uh, but that's not going to happen. Me out. Matt, <laughs> when you are not cleaning up the kitty litter of cinema, where can people find you? Oh, uh, You can find me scooping that pooping over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram or P-S-N. And of course, Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. We've waded into the shitstorm that is the 2020 election a little bit with our Extra Politics series. We've had two episodes coming out so far. Uh, the first one is about uh, how social media is destroying the political landscape. The second one is about uh, how uh, people never go to jail. And the third one is going to be about voter suppression. So a lot of really fun stuff, but we use game design and game theory to basically treat the government in the way political players move as players in a game and we fix it all with some of your favorite games we even bring up that basketball thing so please go check that out i feel like you need an asterisk on one of the things you said there which is that people don't go to jail did you mean political people don't we call the episode never going to jail we mean that people that commit political crimes very rarely go to jail or or like that break like these sort of like political laws um, in different ways, like because of the way that the separations of power are not exactly separated. So, if, for instance, if someone puts up something against someone um, in the executive branch, then they can bring it to the Department of Justice, which is also in the executive branch. Like, there's just like no. You go watch the episode. It's fucking terrifying. Or you could, or you could be pardoned by the president, as our Rod Boglovich. We talk uh, about pardons. Uh, the, the holdover from the monarchy. Uh, okay. that is the dumbest shit and almost every other, um, country, uh, in, in America's, um, I don't know, pur- purview, weight class, I don't know what you want to call it. No, I don't know what that means anymore. But uh, has a thing about pardons where it's actually, like, has oversight and, like, a, a leader can suggest a pardon, but, like, mm-hmm. other groups in government have to okay it uh, mm-hmm. because it should be the people that forgive a crime or something that was wrongly accused and not one fucking person. <laughs> <laughs> anyway spooky movies uh mm-hmm. yeah we're gonna do borat next week i think we've decided um we've, it, it has to be um especially with the news this week and by the time this episode drops we probably will have voted by then hopefully uh, oh yeah we've voting, been voting buddies yeah i think we are going to be voting buddies right we're, we're gonna, gonna hold go hands six o'clock in the morning on the 24th is that what we're doing <laughs> I think i think so i think it's 8 a.m on the 24th we're gonna be 6 a.m baby local... let's do it let's get there for real Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Saturday morning. Hey. I don't know. Um, Somebody here doesn't have a kid. It's me! <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, and Matt, you're more than welcome, uh, although I think you're in a different district than we I are. Am, I am actually voting in Connecticut. Uh, oh, and look I will at be, you. I will be voting day of. Your vote uh, matters more than ours, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm actually very sorry. It just takes two of us to vote for one of you. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> I, look, I, really, all it boils down to for me is I don't want anybody to say that my mail in ballot was fraudulent. So I'm going on the day of. So there is yeah. no question about how and who, whom I voted for. Yes. Which is yeah. not going to be. You, the, he, who, yeah. he who shall not be named Tulsi uh, Gabbard got it uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to jump back real quick to one thing sure uh, sure. Uh, I have been to the cinemas in recent you in saw recent Tenet months. huh 
I did, did you see, see Tenet? I saw, I saw Tenet opening weekend. Did you see it at a drive-thru or did you see it at an actual drive-in? No, uh, not in, a drive-thru. In, in, uh, <laughs> drive-thru. I'll have one Tenet with fries, please. <laughs> the reason why I wanted to bring this up is I wanted to share this because I read an article on thededline.com that this is a, mm. a business model that is booming right now. And I suggested to anybody who wants to try and save the theatrical. Oh, you did the, the yeah. Units. Uh, Cinemark is allowing you to rent out an, an entire auditorium for 100 or $150 for up mm-hmm. to 20 of your friends, and you can see a movie on opening weekend. So me and 12 of my friends in Connecticut saw Tenet. We, it was 150 bucks split, you know, 12 ways or whatever it was. It was only like uh, $12 or $13 or something like that, and we got to see the movie when, the way it was meant to be seen. So if you're near when, a Cinemark, When did, when did you do this, by the way? When did uh, you do this? It was uh, on the. Uh, it was was it Milford, Milford, Connecticut, on the Post Road, at the. Oh, the I was in Connecticut at the there. time, so I appreciate the invite. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, Matt, I don't know if you if you felt that, but a giant yeah. shade just went over. <laughs> no, to be fair, look, this is just the point I would. This is the point that I will make is that is that I wouldn't I I personally my comfort and you should go with your comfort levels at this point. My comfort levels are not in the zone where I would want to be in a contained room uh, Mm -hmm. with other people at this point. I'm not uh, I'm not indoor dining. um, So that's that's me personally. Um, And I totally get that. The only reason why I did it was it was family. uh, Yeah, of course. Everyone wore masks and we all sat. I mean, we had the whole theater to ourselves. So we were able to sit each in a corner. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I felt. And I you're felt lucky you were you were watching a movie that wasn't full of laughs, which would have made you expel air into the auditorium exactly, as much, right? Exactly. Instead, you just uh, was more of a. You the, kept the, it in. Yeah. The only exhalation that I had was I leaned over to Bridget uh, about halfway through the movie during one of the uh, cooler moments, and I just said, "This is so fucking cool." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you haven't seen Tenet yet. It's really and she turned. Cool. She turned to you and disinfected your mouth and said, "Get away from me!" Weirdo, right? <laughs> no, she nodded and she she said, "It is fucking cool." <laughs> See, there you go. Well, that's good to know. Uh, anything to do that you that people feel safe at home that can help cinemas out, obviously a hundred percent. Yes, and obviously drive-ins are incredible. Go! They, I've seen yeah. so many movies and drive-ins this summer, and. Who knew that it was such a wonderful experience? I mean, I did. Yeah. I grew up in rural New Hampshire. That's where I. That's where I used. That was my jam back in the day. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're, we've been going. We've been yammering too long. Thank you, Matt, for coming. Uh, thank you, Shahir, for for just being you. And thank you, everyone at home, for listening to us talk about uh, a spooky, fun movie that we all kind of liked, even though we had problems with it. Uh, we'll talk to y'all next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>